Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. And actually, that makes total sense. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I know me. And you don't have to understand my boundaries to respect them. Well, no, I'm the president co founder of McShane, a person in long term recovery from substance use disorder. I gotta work on that. Yeah. Like, um, celebrating my six months. Didn't have a cake. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, you oh, Hey, you guys, and welcome to today's episode of award-winning podcast, Get in the Herd, here at McShin Foundation. My name is Monique, and I will be hosting today. Um, So with us today, I've got co-host Mandy. Um, She is our director of judicial programs. Got that right on the first try. And we also have Kasia. Kasia is one of our lovely participants that lives at my house, best house, um, in the step-up housing. Hey, Kasia. Hey. Um, so today we're just going to have like an open discussion. Um, you know, we're all jacked up on caffeine, so I'm sure this is going to be a very interesting show. Um, so something that we were talking about before the podcast started is Keisha was actually here last year. Um, and when I first started as staff, I was her assistant house leader and then, um, moved houses and, you know, she had to go back out and do some more research, you know, and, um, she now has seven months, right? Yes. I yep. do. Seven months. And um, we were just seeing what what's different this time around. I don't think I have those reservations about like, oh, if this happens, I'm going to go back out. Or if I get approached with this, I'm going to go back out. I don't have that anymore. It's just gone. Like, I feel like a lot of stuff has happened to me this time around, like losing a job or like just things not working out. And so like I've handled it like life on life's terms pretty much I've handled it without using so I feel like I can handle anything without using whereas last time it was like oh woe is me I'm gonna go back out and use (laughs) yeah you have like this glow to you now I mean skin on fleek thank you so it's really awesome to see you so happy and living life fully um, you just got recently moved to the step up house. Um, what's been your experience as far as like the difference and having a little bit more independence, um, being around some different people with like a, a longer clean time? So the independence thing, um, I feel like it's practice for when I get out there on my own. Like it's like little baby steps. Like, I went to a house, and then I went to another house that was kind of a step up. I stepped up to be an assistant house leader. And then I moved to a step-up, step-up house. And I feel like it's just little inches so that I can get out there on my own and do what I need to do and still be clean. Um, As far as the people, um, like, all my roommates are great. Like, I feel like there's a lot of clean time in the house. So I feel empowered being around people who have you know, a lot of clean time. Whereas at another house, I was just like, okay, you know, these people don't have as much clean time. You know, people are relapsing, coming in and out. I just want to be around clean time. Like key daggers. That's a good goal. I mean, it's crazy because now you're one of those people that has like six months or longer. You stuck around this time. So now it's like people are looking at you the same way you were looking at other people or your other peers that had more clean time before, does it feel empowering to know that 
you might be making a difference just by like doing what you're doing, you know? Yeah, it does. Um, it's kind of hard to like come to terms with like, oh, I'm one of them now that, you know, people look up to me and like not too long ago I was looking up to someone else. It just makes me want to like continue to do what I'm doing and do good and be an example. My grandparents tell me that all the time. Be an example, and I finally get what they mean. Yeah. Do you think being a role model, um, as it as it were, that that's helpful for you in your recovery? It is. Um, like, just having a lot of integrity, too. Like, you know, when someone's not watching, doing what you're supposed to do, and, like, doing the step work. And I know no one's there to be like, oh, she's doing step work, or she's doing this and that. Like, it's just the integrity of doing it. Like, peop- like it shows on the outside. Like, people will see that. Yeah, and you know that you're putting in the work. So it's like, that makes you feel better about yourself instead of putting on a mask and, you know, just... Which you- is what I did last time. Yeah, yeah, you know? And it's it's just, it's so great, you know? I love to see that. I think once upon a time, one of the things that helped keep me clean was like, I thought, well, other people will find out. And today, where I'm at in my recovery is I would know. And I'm not okay with knowing that yeah. I've relapsed and I'm still trying to carry on, you know. So I think it's um, it speaks volumes that you are working in honest recovery and that you've gotten to that point where, you know, self-directed, people don't have to check up on me. I'm just going to do it. I like that. Right. It's like, I'm so protective of my recovery date, you know, for sure. It's, it's like, I don't want to like, I, I was talking about this the other night. Um, you know, I love kombucha. I love kombucha. And if, for those of you that don't know, it's got lots of good probiotics, um, but it is a fermented drink. So, you know, if you go to some, you go somewhere that locally brews their kombucha, it might have a higher percentage of alcohol. I did not know that. Yeah. So like that standard Synergy brand, it's only going to have about 3%, possibly get up to 5%. But locally, when it's locally brewed, it can get up to 7%. I think it's like 0.05%. 0.05. Yeah. Because 5% okay. is like a beer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yes, 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 yeah. yes. I yeah. stand corrected. See you guys. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I love kombucha, but I'm not going to drink two or three of them at a time. It doesn't matter how great it tastes. Right. Or like how amazing it makes me feel because like, what if I failed a drug test from drinking kombucha? Like I would, (laughs) I would be devastated. I would be devastated. I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I've tried to get into kombucha. Like people have recommended, I do not like the taste. Yeah. It's okay. So I'm really glad now. You know, it's it's only for the heady ones, you know, super heady. <laughs> I strive to be like you. Oh, God, don't say that. Um, but Mandy, Mandy, so, Mandy, you've got like a newer-ish role since we've never done the podcast together. Right. So before you were just kind of doing the scheduling for Pamunkey Jail, right? Right. Well, before that, I started in the fall as an intern just to get my yeah. PRS hours. And then I started volunteering to go into the jails. And then I became a coordinator for Pamunkey doing the schedules and, you know, facilitating. And when the gentleman who was the director of judicial programming, you know, sort of transitioned somewhere else, they offered the position to me. And it, it feels like this whole experience is really brand new yeah because i feel like i've only been doing it 30 seconds and every now and then i look i'm like oh my god i've almost been here a year yeah um but yeah as far as being the director of judicial programs i think two three months yeah it's really new it is are you going so you go to pamunkey Mm -hmm. richmond city justice yes and RSW? I am still awaiting to be approved okay. into RSW. Okay. But I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, my goal is to get approved into as many jails as I can. You know what's so funny, Mandy? So Mandy wrote this book <laughs> called State Blues. And when Mandy used to come out to the Brenna house um, when... 
like this was last year and come do groups and some some of it she would read some from her book um and then i got a signed copy when when she got it out and you know what's crazy is like i felt like um when i would go into one of the jails i was like man i feel like i'm living in her book you know <laughs> like some of it i'm and and you know what's crazy is like i brought it up um, I was like, you know, we're, we're going to read out of St. Blues for a little bit. I did the same thing with Scattered Pink. And some of the women had been, you know, in and out of there so long. They remembered you. And they were like, is this this person that she's talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I feel really invested. You know? I changed inmate <laughs> names. But... I've heard from other people who have read the book, like, oh, I know exactly who you were talking <laughs> yeah. about. Um, and if they ask me personally, I will reveal. Um, some people, I don't even, like, I changed the names while I was writing it in jail. And I ran into one of the girls. I was like, oh, my gosh, Courtney. And she said, no. I was like, oh, that's, the that's name your that name I in you. my book. Sorry. And I was like, I know who you are. Yeah. You're the second person I mentioned in my book, but it, like I think of you now as, as that this character. character. Yeah. Yeah. I do that to people in like real life. Like in case <laughs> you know this, like I will literally make up names for people. And I'm like, yeah. And some people go along with it for a while. Like I'll be like, um, like, hey Ray, hey Ray, hey Ray, for like two years. And then this guy was like, My name is Stanley. I was like, why wouldn't you tell me that? It's close. You know, right. And it's like, oh, well, you said it so convincingly. And I was like, oh, okay. Monique, well. I have to ask you now. Do I have a name? No, you're Mandy. Oh, okay. I know Mandy. I'm the one Mandy and only. With, a, with an IE, specifically. <laughs> I get really upset when people put a Y with it. And Kasia, I mean, you're Kasia. So it's like, you're, I, I don't know. But I My don't have the excuse of being an author. So, you know. My mom still puts a Y with it. It's IE mom. This is not a phase. <laughs> like I was 11 when I think I was like, I, I'm going to spell with IE now. And it took until, I mean, recently I got a, a birthday card from her and it was actually spelled with an IE. I was like, so you finally figured it out after 30 years. You know, I changed, I changed your staff thing and one of our info packets from a Y to an IE. And Matt was like, it's with, it's with a Y. I was like, no, it's not. It's an IE. And I was like, I will take this fall if it comes back. <laughs> but I am adamant that it's an IE. I, I think it's funny that he thought it was a Y because every email I get from everybody else who works here, it's with an I. Oh, just an just I? Just an I. Huh, I'm like, I don't know spicy. where that got started. Glad I got it right in the description today. Yeah. yeah. Did you put IE? Yeah, I did. There you go. Art is Yay. the best. Art is awesome. Right. I mean, right. literally. And also, did you know that art is bilingual? Ladies, bilingual. if you're out there. Hablo espanol. You know, are you, well, hold on. Are you single? I am single. Okay, ladies. He is single, ready to mingle, maybe, possibly, bilingual. And I want to learn Spanish, so I'm going to come to you. I'm going to get one of those programs. Rosetta Stone. That's what I was thinking, <laughs> but I'm going to come go. to you for help, for sure. And Keisha. Keisha, how's your relationship going? Um, it's going pretty good. Like we both do our own recovery thing, which is important because I have relationships in the past where, you know, we do the same recovery path and it's just like, it doesn't work out. So we kind of do our own thing. We don't see each other often, but I mean, that's great for me because <laughs> <laughs> it's really great for me because I don't clinginess and being clingy. Like I don't like it. So it's working out. It's going good. Good. Very happy yeah. about that. I think, I think, you know, because I, I, I talk a lot about relationships and early recovery when I facilitate. I think it's really important that you maintain some independent mm -hmm. stuff, you know, each your own. And that way you can do your own thing. But I always get alarmed when I see people, um, they go to all the same meetings together oh and they have all the same mutual friends 100%. and they don't have their own separate lives. And it's, it's tragic because you watch them break up and it's like now one of them's afraid to go to the meetings and yeah, you know, friends pick sides. It gets real sticky. So I'm really happy to hear that you're making some more positive choices. And the meetings, the meetings 
around here. We have so many meetings in the Richmond mm-hmm. area. Like Richmond is such a huge recovery hub for the East Coast. So you would think it's like, oh, I can do this and I'll never see this person. I feel like it's such a tight knit community. You see the same people all the time. Like you might, there might be an event with 5,000 people, but you will see the five people or six people that you're like, I'll probably never see them again. I, I don't that even worry true. about it. It's like that with yeah. conventions. That, I, mm-hmm. That's one of the things I was thinking about. Yeah, because I go to conventions and I see the same group of people. Yeah, it's like as hardcore convention goers. Right. Yeah. And I used to, I used to think like that about Richmond in general. Like I'd be like, oh god, I can't go out of Richmond. I only see the same people. Such a small place. And then like in LA, so many people, and I would always see like the same people. It didn't matter where I was, and I was like, maybe it's like the people that I am attracting. You know, or maybe the people that are meant for you. Well, I don't think some of the people were meant for me. To be part of your story. To be part of my story. Past chapters. Maybe that I might rip the page out and crumple up and throw in the trash. You've read my book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, I mean, it's just, but it's nice when you do have such a a huge hub because you feel like you can go. For me, I thought I was, like, the most social person. Like, do not get this, this, like, mixed up. I get really bad social anxiety. Like, when I got sober, I thought I was still going to be good with people, but then I realized that I would drink because I don't like being around people. So, like then I was having that anxiety all over again. And it's like, what do I do with my hands? And like, you can talk to me, but please don't keep talking to me. And so, but it's nice now that at least I know wherever I do go, I can, I have some sort of like comfort zone. Like if there's a huge crowd or for me, most importantly, you go to a show, like live music is really big in my life. Like before, during recovery I feel like it's just part of my life and it's nice that like I thought I couldn't go and enjoy these live shows because I'm like I can't be around people that all they're gonna do is like do my drugs of choices or any of this stuff but like there's so many people in recovery I can be like feel like I'm drowning and and have like a lifesaver you know so it's it's nice I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm always saying you you start to learn who you are in recovery. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought I was someone before I thought, Oh, well, I'm really extroverted and people And it was like, I got clean and I was like, I'm also introverted some yeah. of the time too. And in active addiction, I could not stand to be by myself. I did not want to be alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be quiet. I had to go find trouble. And then I got clean and it's like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoy the time I get to spend alone by myself doing nothing. Right. It's like I couldn't even be in my apartment with just my dog. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. She's like the joy and apple of my eye. Like she's just amazing. Like I would be so uncomfortable. I would always have out like a couple shot glasses, you guys. So like if people came in, they didn't think like, oh, my God, she's drinking so much by herself. What a weirdo. Like I would like pour it. So there'd be two. And I'd be like, it's for me and yeah. And then I'm like, wow, is my dog judging me right now? And she was definitely judging me. You know, and it's like now it's like I I can't wait to just like be alone and like hang out with my dog. And like I can just sit. I do not have to do anything on the weekends. Like yesterday, I almost did not go get ice cream with one of our roommates with Brittany because I didn't want to put pants on and leave the bedroom. But I did it. I had to like hype myself up some. But I did it. I say that when I'm home, when I have a day off, I say there is not enough time for me to do all the nothing I want to accomplish. Yeah, literally. Kasia, what do you like to do for fun? Read, surprisingly. I like, I'm a reader. Um, I also have this nerd thing with me where I like to play The Sims a lot. Okay. I don't I don't really know why. Like, I've been playing it since I was, like, 13 or 12. And my mom's like, it's a phase. You'll grow out of it. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just continue to play it. It's, like, really fun for me. I don't know why. But, um... Other than that, I just like to be alone. Like, I like to be by myself. And I never was comfortable being by myself, like Mandy said. Like, I always had to be around people, but I like 
you know, it's just me. Yeah. I like figuring me out. Yeah, that's nice. I just do have to, Joey Jewel, I did not ever fail a drug test for kombucha. I want to point that out. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, you know, put you in your place real quick because no, I have not. Hey, Keisha, have you ever read Honesty's book? Yes, I read the, I read the first like half of it and then I just haven't finished it because I've been like moving and doing all that stuff because that was in my transition couple weeks ago but so far it's i like it it's really inspirational i like how she says daddy for her dad in there like, yeah you know i'm like of course you type out daddy i when i it's really cool to read a book written by someone that you know and i've had people tell me this about my book like i read it and i hear your voice yeah and so when i read that daddy I can hear honestly <laughs> say that. I can hear her voice. Yeah. So I'm really interested in reading Mandy's book, though. I have so a copy. I Let's would like a copy. I'll get you a signed All copy. Like, I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you like like Real Housewives, it's like Real Housewives, but for jail. Okay. You know. Yes. <laughs> it's copy, very, please. it's very real. <laughs> yeah. People are like, how did you remember all that stuff? I didn't. I wrote it while I was there. That's smart. Having like notes while, yeah, that's smart. Because I feel like my memory is like terrible. It that's wasn't smart. even that I planned to write a book. It was that I was bored. Yeah. wanted something to do. And there's only so much you can read. So That's true. Or like I feel like when I have my experience in jail, like I can only, I can never watch Shawshank's Redemption ever again. Like, I feel like I watched it every single day. And then when someone would try to put something else on, it was like, it was this whole thing. And it was like, no, we're just going to watch Shawshank's Redemption again. I got that way with Fast and Furious. God. That they played it constantly, constantly while I was in there. I was like, so what are y'all watching? Fast and Furious. I said, what, part 36? What? Like, <laughs> It's never ending. How many of them did they make? I don't. Are they done with those? I, I don't know. They made like I'm, nine I'm sure and are, then yeah. Hobbs and Shaw and Tokyo Drift. Yeah. yeah. I feel like once Ludacris isn't in it, I don't have anything in it anymore. Yeah. And Paul Walker passed away. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't like, I don't know. I don't like it. But The Rock. I saw that one. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to do his eyebrow thing. <laughs> I can't at all. I. So what's the most important thing you've learned in your life? In my and entire what, life? Yeah, and what was, what was your life like before you learned it? God. And after. In my entire life. Not like in recovery. In your life. What's the most important lesson you've learned? Um, I think for me, I have a really, you know, something that I do all the time now is like I tell people that I love them when I care about them and I'm connected to them, whether it's like the women in my house or um, the women that like we serve um, or like just my friends outside of the community, family, because whether or not it's an accident, violence or from substance use disorder, like you never know when the last time you're going to see someone and cricket and Jesse were like, they actually like kind of laughed. Cause they were like, you always say that. And I said, yeah. And Jesse was like to everyone. I said, to the people that I love, the people that I care about, the people that I see regularly, absolutely. Because I don't want something to happen. And then me never to have said that, you know, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Mandy? Um, I think the, the the most important thing I've learned, it's almost like maybe two things, but I think they're interrelated, is I can't be anyone else. Like, I'm me, and that's who I have to be. And I'm not going to try to change who I am in order to, to please other people or fit in. Um, you know, I'm a nerd. You said you were a nerd. I'm a nerd, and I'm going to own that, and I'm just going to be the nerdiest nerd I can be. Um, and that's who I am. Um, the other, the other thing I think that goes hand in hand is, you know, it, it's hope, it's belief. It's if you don't even try, you're clearly never going to succeed. But I think if you put forth your best effort, um, you know, and have some belief that the best outcome will turn out, 
I think those are the the things that I've learned that have been most important for my life and my recovery. Unique alien superstar. That's what I heard. That's me. Unique Beyonce. 100%. Um, So looking at life not as if the glass is half empty but as if the glass is half full. Um, I used to be stuck in this mode where I would feel really, really sorry for myself, like, all the time. Like, you know, what was me? Like, oh, my God, like, why is nothing working out? And then I had to realize, like, you have to, like, no one's going to do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. And, like, that changed, like, a lot in my life, like, getting help, like, getting a job, maintaining a job, like, saving money, like, before, like, I learned that lesson, like, I was just all over the place. Active addiction, living in trap houses and homeless and just doing whatever, sleeping out of my car, whatever. So, like, that's the most important thing in life I've learned. I think that's why they say it works if you, you work, work it. it. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Art? Um, I think just patience. Um. Just remembering I don't always have to be doing something crazy. Um, Normal is like, okay. The yeah. routine is like totally fine. Just learning how to be still. Yeah. I love having a routine today. You know, I literally used to hate the mundane. Just like yep. very, I just would hate it. But now I would take that and just this everyday routine of just nothing abnormal or incredible happening over the chaos of like active addiction like yeah there were ups there's always going to be highs right and like sometimes we tend to fantasize and like idolize <coughs> about just these incredible highs that we had and then it's like we forget completely about the lows mm -hmm. like there's just no way to maintain that at all and it's just yeah so i appreciate the coming to work getting my starbucks going home, taking my nap from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. every day. Everyone in my house knows it. <laughs> Don't ruin my nap. And, you know, then going around, checking in with the women, going going to my meeting or doing whatever for my recovery, going to yoga and going to sleep. I sleep before, like, 11 p.m. every day. It's oh, yeah. Insane. I revel in, in I guess, the mundane, the, the routine of everything. And where it used to be, I always had to have the chaos and the drama. Now that's what I struggle with. Like I went on vacation and it threw me out my routine. Mm -hmm. And I actually struggled with it a little bit. I'm like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. And um, I think it's nice to be able to enjoy the mundane, mm -hmm. just as much as I enjoyed the fun times, the unusual things, the vacations. Um, today, I can have just as much joy about the normal stuff. Right. For me, that's like a huge difference between yeah, addiction and recovery. Before, I couldn't do mundane, normal. I couldn't be patient. Yeah. And now today, it's like I have nothing to do today but laundry. I can do yes. that. You know Beautiful. what's so you know what's so funny? So my mom, sisters, and I, we went to Vegas this past weekend to go see Silk Sonic, Sabrina Mars, and Anderson Hex. Incredible. That Anyways, sounds awesome. But on Saturday, Gabby, she's my middle sister. She works at Penn State. She is like, you know, we're gonna do all this stuff. We're gonna go out to breakfast or maybe lunch, and then we're gonna get ready and get dinner and blah blah. It was like 4 p.m. We're on the strip. First of all, we're not buying anything. No one's drinking. We're just like going, kind of people watching. Um, got bamboozled out of taking a $20 picture with some burlesque girl. You know, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm ready to go. Like, and she was like, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to sit back at the room for two, three hours. I was like, yeah. She was like, well, I'm not sleeping. I said, well, you were the only one that signed up for not sleeping. <laughs> she said, what are you going to do, take a nap? And I was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait. And I had like a 45-minute nap before I had to get up and like get ready to go. And then by like midnight, 1, 1 a.m., I think, was by the time like we were done with everything. 
it's like, yeah, there's an after show. I would never miss an after show or a Sunday show. Just no show ever. Anything. I was like, man, I was yawning. I said, are you guys ready to go? Go back and go to sleep? And she's like, you already took a nap. Like, you know, so it was just, it was so funny, but it was so amazing to go to Vegas. Like I haven't been to Vegas. I don't think since I think I went for a further show, like five or six years ago, their last tour. And it was just a totally different experience. Like being present. Yeah. Getting irritated. Cause my sister doesn't want to sleep. Like I just, you know, it was like these little things. I'm just like, Oh man, I get to like see my youngest sister who just turned 15, get all dressed up looking entirely too grown for her age. And, you know, sit back and kind of like laugh with my mom. And it was just all these things that I just feel like I never was checked in with before, you know? And I'm like, am I the old person now? You are. It's <laughs> crazy. Welcome. It's crazy. You are incredibly well-traveled. Yes. I've so, never been to Vegas. I'm pretty well traveled, but I've never been to Vegas. Yeah. It has no draw to me except the roller coaster. No, it's it's not. It's not very fun. I mean, I don't gamble. I don't so gamble. I would I would go for shows, you know, for like music shows. Mm -hmm. Um and that's about it because what are you doing in Vegas? Like it's it's boring. There's nothing to do. I want to ride the stratosphere tower. That is literally the only reason Ooh, I want to go ate, to Vegas. I ate on the restaurant up there for yeah. my 21st birthday. And then and have frog wall. Yes. It was amazing. Animal cruelty, but it was very good. What is that? It's expanded duck liver, baby duck liver. Expanded? Yeah, they like overfeed it until That's different. it's going to die. So it's illegal in a lot of places, but not Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> of course not Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So, have you been to Vegas, Kasia? No, I have not. No, I'm really interested in going. No, All right. no, no, no. <laughs> what for the frog walk? Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. See, I like that. Foodies unite. I hate liver. You hate women? Liver. Oh, <laughs> I was like, sir, you're in the wrong room for that statement. Yeah, I can't, yeah, no liver. Do you have experience eating different types of liver? Um, just cow liver. Interesting. Just, is it taste the same? I don't know. I Just don't know if I've had cow liver. Yeah. Is it's a very heavy meat. Yeah. Is it it's very rich. It's got like an aftertaste yeah. that's okay. It's yeah. very rich. It's not it's not terrible though. Yeah. So what's oh I have a good one, guys. So what's um on your recovery bucket list? For the next year. Oh, I got that one. You know, I oh, feel like I next got, year. I gotta give us. I gotta give us an extra year because I feel like 2022, everything just kind of opened back up. So, like, let's say within the next like year. See, I mine is the World Convention is coming to DC in 2024. Okay, and that's my bucket list. Okay, that's it's not good. within a year. No, but, but that's that's a good one. I, I want World Convention. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. And you did see Coldplay. That was my bucket. That yeah, was my lifelong bucket list. That was a good one. And I got that June 1st. That was a good one. Yeah. You, Kasia. To go to my first convention, actually, within the next year. October, Rachna. Really? Richmond okay. Convention. Yeah. You have to go to a bigger one. Go to a bigger one? The ABCNA is every January. Well, yeah, yeah that's right around my year mark, so. That would be so cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to the convention in Atlantic City and it was so large. I think it was like 10,000 people or something. I almost had a panic attack. I did not enjoy it. It was, it was, it was, I was overstimulated. There's a lot going on. I was like, okay, you guys, I don't like this. That happens to me too. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Art? Um, I'm just really trying to figure out what I'm doing in life right now. So I don't know. Okay. Travel bucket list? I mean, I, I like to travel. I'd like to go to New York. Okay. It's like one of those places I haven't been to yet. That's a good one. Yeah. You haven't been to New York ever? Been, on a layover, but oh, yeah. that doesn't count. That yeah, doesn't, that doesn't count. count. No. Yeah. I li I've lived in Vegas. I lived there. Did you like it? Um, For the first month, it was nice. Um, But after yeah. that, like, um, you don't really go to the Strip that much. Mm. Like, locals don't do that. Locals don't do that. What do locals do in Vegas? Nothing. I mean, <laughs> swim. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, like my family um, is originally from New York City. And so I spent a lot of time up there growing up. And 
think, I think on my honeymoon, I finally went up the Empire State Building and everybody was like, you've never been up the Empire State Building? I was like, people don't New do that. Yorkers don't do that. Yeah. Like we yeah. avoid exactly. Times Square yeah. unless we have to be there. Yeah. Like th those are touristy things to do. So I get that. Yeah. My favorite race car driver is from Las Vegas. Yeah. Kyle Busch. We used to go ride quads a lot and like shoot guns. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds kind of, that sounds kind of fun. It was. Yeah. 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 Have you ever been to Hoover Dam? I have. Have you? Yeah. Have you been to Lake Havasu? No. That's that's on my bucket list. I want to go to Lake Havasu. Sorry. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> I have like this insane, like miles long bucket list of travel places. Like I want to go to every single continent. I want to go to Bali. That's my next year within the next year. My top Bali. three are England. Okay. London. Okay. Um, and then Italy. And I want to see where I was born. I want to go to Germany. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. I know you said you were German earlier, but I automatically thought you were about to say Irish. I am also Irish. Okay. Well, I think if I go to England, I'll probably just, you just know, hop, hop over. Hop on over. That, that was my. Hop on over to Ireland. Okay, you guys. We're going to take a quick two-minute break, and we'll be right back. Here at McShen, we believe in the McShen way, which is authentic recovery support service providers, people with lived experience, bringing that experience to those who need that lived experience in recovery. Here at McShen, we believe in many things to support our mission. We believe in women empowerment. What I love most about what we believe here at McShen is we believe in the authenticity of the peer-to-peer -peer approach. Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in giving people opportunity. Here at McShin, we believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. At the McShin Foundation, we believe in helping people reach their full potential. Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in multiple pathways to recovery. Here at McShin, we believe in placing principles before personalities to help spread hope. Here at McShin, we believe that recovery is possible and that any person seeking recovery can become a more acceptable, responsible, and productive member of society. Here at the McShin Foundation, we believe in self-discovery. Here at McShin, we believe in saving lives and offering second chances. Here at McShin, we believe you can do this. Here at McShin Foundation, we believe that we can only keep what we have by giving away, which is why we continue to help others like us seek and find recovery. guys i was just laughing because that particular video used to give me nightmares i used to work the front desk here and jesse wasaki wanted you know the intro video playing at all times behind right behind the front desk and i was just like we can go anywhere and i just oh it gave me ptsd <laughs> mandy i know you had a question yeah so um one thing i think is interesting is we tend to keep men and women separate in treatment. And obviously where I work in the jails, men and women are completely separate. Um, and I always, I have my own opinions on this, but I'm curious, do you think that you as a woman recover differently than men? 
Yeah, I do. Because I think women need to be around other strong women to get that recovery foundation started. And men need to be around really strong men to get their recovery foundation started. But in terms of like meetings, yeah, but it's two different mindsets, I feel like, you know, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Monique. Um, because I'm trying to figure out how I can word this without being offensive. No, so you know, something that sometimes bothers me, not like all the time, because I do see some of the reasoning behind it as a whole, but I don't feel like it's executed equally. Um, is like disciplinary actions, right? Within RCOs, um, you know, in facilities, because I feel as though, and it's not with everything, you know, if it's, everything is individualized, like recovery in general is individualized. Um, but it's just like certain things like, um, dress codes or, um, certain behaviors that I feel like, you know, probably, negative for the whole right so like being overly promiscuous or like overly friendly obviously would be detrimental to anyone male or female Mm -hmm. um or non-binary literally any any human that behavior is usually like covering up some deep-rooted issue that they have whether it's like attention seeking or like lack of self-confidence like all of these things yeah insecurities but I do feel as though they get treated differently so you know what I notice is there could be a male in a facility and like everyone knows this guy like sleeps around with a bunch of participants this is not staff just another participant right like hypothetically is sleeping around with a bunch of different women from different recovery meetings or this that and the third and you kind of get that like well you know that that's not good but like ha 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 like dudes will be dudes but then like you have like if it's a woman behaves in that manner it's a lot more it's like frowned upon a lot more because it's Mm -hmm. like well something must be wrong with you like yeah the same thing that's wrong with that guy that you're not really addressing that issue like they don't have any self-worth or whatever whatever it is um but like they're treated very differently there might be different rules in place like you can't do this or be around this person or these people but like their male counterparts they kind of just go like oh well you know he's like that you know a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do or whatever and it kind of goes like all the way down to like when we're in school right like even middle school when they start enforcing these dress codes like oh, well, you can't wear a tank top because your body might make a boy sin. Or, like, just this very weird, inadvertent, like, shaming on women when, like, their male counterparts have the same, they should be held to the same standard. Like, Mm -hmm. that behavior is not helping your recovery. You're not focusing on yourself. You're focusing on other things. So, like, you should treat them the same. You I know? think socially we have a an issue, and it's a wide within society, like American culture. We tend to sexualize women. Oh yeah. Um, whether we want to be sexualized or not, you know, even if we don't necessarily flaunt it, it's still viewed, you know, that mm-hmm. oh, you have a certain body type, and therefore, and people draw conclusions, and then. I think with men, it there's very much this culture of, well, boys will be boys. Right. So it's okay. Like, and no, I think, it's not. I think there's some <laughs> double standard issues. Yeah. I think the thing that, that concerns me, like, because I'm, I'm naturally, I'm concerned with how things operate within our correctional system and jails, um, but women are entirely second-class citizens mm-hmm. in jail. And, like, we are told, don't look at the men, don't talk to the men, don't make eye contact with the men, but they could literally, I mean, expose themselves and no consequences. But if we were like, Hey, 
you were going to isolation. It was really insane how like intensely the rules were enforced on women. Well, let's even talk about the current situation. So I um, was facilitating groups at one of the jails that we go into that has a McShin pod. And um, a constant issue that I was having was my attire, my uniform. Mind you, the uniform that I was wearing or that I always wear is the same thing that my coworkers would wear. A staff staff collared shirt and jeans, not leggings, not... We were dressed exactly the same one day. We were both wearing the McShin Mm -hmm. uniform shirt and capris mm-hmm. or actually yeah. you were wearing jeans and yeah. i was wearing capris yeah and you got a dress and i did not and um yeah you know and one of the things that you know bothered me is that the officer that was the one saying that was also a female she was also of color and um you know had a similar body type as i had and um the thing that she said was like well it doesn't really matter if you're going into a women's pod uh, a guy might see you and I don't feel like dealing with that. And that statement really upset me because that sounds like you need to handle your behavioral issues better. And you need to address the issues of, well, I don't really care if this is someone that's a facilitator, if it's a CO, if it's a visitor, like you can't behave that way. And that goes all the way back to, we never discipline the guys are give them the same type of treatment. And also that affects the women that I then cannot service right. that I've built rapport with that I enjoyed seeing. Well, and I think it's, it's foisting the responsibility onto us as women yeah. to control how men perceive us. Yeah. We have to do certain things so that they can control themselves. And I'm like, shouldn't the control rest on, them (laughs) you know what's crazy is one of the first couple of times that i went into this jail um i had the that same issue the first time i went and um you know they told me i I couldn't wear my pants so i was like i'm wearing sweatpants and if they don't let me in here then i'm not going back in they did let me in um but then you know after you know afterwards it was said you know you shouldn't wear sweatpants because you're not one of the inmates you know like you want to look more professional I'm like yeah I understand that's what I keep trying to do um, and then I hadn't really heard anything issue wise for a couple months until this last time and then it bothered me because it was I found out that it was something that was constantly kind of spoken to to the coordinators. And, you know, thankfully, I have amazing, wonderful coworkers that had my back. And it's like, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. So, like, you put these other, you're placing judgment on me as a female. And also, you're kind of setting a bad example for the women that are, that take the time and make the commitment to show up to these groups. I mean, it's three, three a day, right? That they go to twice a week. Well, it. It's three days a week, three twice days a, a day, week, twice a day at that particular, facility. at this particular, so that they make this commitment to wake up early in the morning and show up for these groups. And then it's like, oh, well, your facilitator was dressed inappropriately, but actually was dressed very appropriately. And so now you can not get this recovery service that you're trying to get. But also it's just a quick reminder of once you actually get out of this correctional facility, you also don't, you're not quite free you know like you're not quite free right to continue being you and you know it 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 made me sad that it upset you and bothered you um and so I'm absolutely empathetic to to where you're at with not facilitating anymore but I do want you to know you're missed you're wonderful at it and if you ever want to come back we'd love to have you back to give it another go but yeah I and I you know I get where you're coming from though and I'm going to just be completely egotistical. I'm like, <laughs> why don't they think I'm so high? Why don't <laughs> nobody's addressed me on how I dress. <laughs> that's the insecurity piece that always pops up. And I think that's, I think, I think insecurity is something that men and women both deal with, mm-hmm. but I think we deal with it in different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed working intensively with women so much is 
we build these expectations on ourselves. Um, and, and the thing that I've always said, um, my, my 15 year old son tried to tell me, well, guys have it harder. It, what? Life is more difficult for, for men. And I said, let me put it to you this way. I have to work like I'm not a mom and I have to be a mother like, like I, I don't work. work and I'm expected to look great while doing it all. Right. You know, and it goes back to the 1950s, you know, Donna Reed and her pearls and her yeah. pantyhose and her heels vacuuming the house. Right. Um, like for why? Right. You know? And um, so I, I think we have these insane expectations that not only does society put on us, but we put on ourselves. And I think we come down really hard on ourselves. Um, and I think that plays a part into our insecurities and low self-esteem and all of those things. So I, I think there's a difference in recovery just along the gender lines and you're dealing with some separate issues. Right. That's, that's one of the big reasons why when I initially started working for McShin as a, an AmeriCorps member, I really wanted to dig deep and like change the curriculum and, or build a more structured curriculum with the women. You know, they have the separate, building a separate property it's beautiful um they've got the separate group room so like they feel safe to express the things that they uh -huh. need to get out to kind of get past their trauma because we deal with different things in our active addiction than men deal with um that we might not feel comfortable sharing about in front of other like you know men and um it's and one of the big things that i love to have is like having younger women in recovery people that you can like relate to that can say like hey girl like you don't have to feel so bad about that i i went through that too and it's it's a little bit different than you know coming up to a co-ed group or coming to a group where there are men present where you don't feel as emotionally vulnerable you don't want to feel that vulnerable right you know, like, is it going to be used against you? And I'm sure men do feel like that, too. Like, they can't be vulnerable because they've always got to be strong. and Stoic. You know, yeah, we, that I'm not I'm not weak. And, but it's just something different and more fragile about women. And, of course, like, I'm biased because I'm a woman. Right. But I see the difference and, and I hear the difference. And, you know, it's not any, like, one is better or worse oh, yeah, no, or not at all. anything. There are just some differences. Um, one thing that I've noticed concerning men is they are less likely to seek help, help for their mental health. Yeah. Because they perceive it as a weakness, whereas women will take care of emotional mental health. Um, but, you know, one thing that I'm noticing um, is, for instance, at one of our facilities, the men have a program, but the women don't at one of the jails. Huh. Oh. Um, and we have entire pods for the men to be in a recovery pod. Women are in general population. They don't get their own recovery pod. Um, and while I see that in jails and correctional institutions, like they're just not provided the same level of services. Yeah. Um, even out in the wider world, like our participants are what sixty percent male, yeah, or and, more. You know this this woman that she lives near in the southwest Virginia. I want to say it was near like Bristow, um, but she was talking about how they don't have any resources for women there. Um, right, they have they have to go 150 miles outside of their area, mm -hmm. most likely into another state just for a woman to get some type of resources and help with her addiction. And so all their, their jails is pretty much all women like cycling in and out. Cause that's the only place that they can go and be safe for a few nights. And yeah. it's just like, it's insane to think that there's only a place, a safe place for men. And I mean, we need, more funding more and that's what night. that's something i would like to see change you know on a societal level and within the recovery community is i'd like to see women have same access right to treatment and resources that men get 
Um, and I don't know if it's that women don't take advantage of it or don't mm. seek out the help or, or they have children and they don't want to leave their, or they can't leave their children. And that's one thing mm -hmm. I remember when I was pregnant and I was trying to find rehab. So I get clean. I didn't want to keep using while I was pregnant. And I called my insurance company and they couldn't find any resources for a pregnant woman. And I remember saying to them, don't you realize you're going to pay for two funerals if you don't pay for a rehab? And they said, that's okay. Funerals are cheaper. Oh, <laughs> Literally, wow. that's what the woman said to me on the phone. Um, and there's, there are, I mean, in my experience, pregnant women do want to get better. They don't want to continue in active addiction, pregnant. I mean, who wants to do that? Um, but there aren't resources for women who are pregnant or have young children. Yeah. And I, I find that concerning because they deserve just as much a shot of it, if not more. I agree. Yeah. Well, you guys, this has been such an amazing discussion um, with you ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so... That's all I got, Art. Yeah. Um, do you have any events you want to talk about? Oh, or yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What happened to Virgil? Um, <laughs> so we do have our Richmond Kickers fundraiser um, game next Saturday. Um, it's the Richmond Kickers versus Omaha United. Um, and $5 of every ticket sale goes towards our participant fun funds. Um, so I'm trying to plan something for the sober living participants within the next month or two. And so if you come out, purchase a ticket, um, it is on our Facebook page. Um, you can come help us support. And then also we have our overdose awareness visual, August 31st. It's a Wednesday at 6 PM. Um, it is to commemorate all the people that we've lost to addiction in general. Um, and, it, it will be really nice. I think that they're going to have um, the white marker project out for that as well. Um, and then, of course, we've got our 15th annual Recovery Fest coming up September 10th. It's a Saturday from 12 to 5 p.m. Courthouse, no, Courthouse, Hanover Courthouse Roads and Club. Um, so we are still looking for sponsors and vendors. So if you have any items that you like to sell or anything like that, just give me an email, moniquer at mixgen.org, um, and we can try to get you set up with the table for that. I'm so excited for recovery. Fest. Yeah, me too. There's supposed to be so many barbecue. That There's a, a Kansas City National Barbecue Society. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a national cook-off. Yeah. Um, People's Choice Award or Ch People's Choice Barbecue Competition. A you had me at barbecue. A chipping contest. We've got cornhole. I have all types of stuff. Bouncy house great. for the kids. All the things. Should be some celebrity... Uh, appearances there possibly yeah me <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> anyways um but yeah thank you guys so much and please just keep up with our facebook for some more events peace out the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo -woo. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShen. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, 
the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.